The Start On Demand. On demand. You've no doubt seen the memes about alcohol since the pandemic began. Saw one the other day that made me laugh. Your quarantine alcoholic nickname is your first name, followed by your last name. Hey, that's funny, but a lot of people say they are drinking more during self-isolation. So we'll revisit an award-winning story McNabb did last year on the culture of wine moms. It was timely then, maybe more timely and relevant now than ever. We'll learn about a great way that you can support local businesses. It's a website called localfutures.ca. And my day got off to a rough start because I thought I forgot my swipe card to get into the building. So we're going to share some stories of yours on the things that you have forgotten, important things that you forgot, and realized, oh my god, what am I going to do? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, April 16th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Our listeners often text us early in the morning saying, Hey guys, need I need you to dance for me, clown. I need you to entertain me. I need a pick I need a pick me up. Dance monkey, dance. But uh, I think today we might be asking you to pick us up because I had a screw-up to start my day. McNabb, you said that uh, you're not firing on all cylinders. And Mackling, you said you had crazy dreams. So I, 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 I get the feeling that all three of us are starting the day way off our game. Mackling, what happened to you? Oh, I just, you know, I, as I mentioned, I like to have something to guide my brain to not go into dark places or crazy places. So I'll listen to uh, typically podcasts, but lately just that uh, Netflix uh, channel on Sirius Radio where it's just a series of stand-up comedians. And I didn't do it last night. And I woke up this morning and I could have sworn the dream that I had was real and that I had been in the predicament that I had been in my dream. I cannot talk talk about it on the air but let me tell you this i was solidly no it was just super personal and just really weird the people involved like two of the people in particular have no business anywhere near my dreams but they showed up last night well, it would, that would be really interesting if it was dirty and there were two people <laughs> well, it was I'm actually going. three that's what i was doesn't but that bug the, uh, you when people show up in your dreams, Greg, when you're like, I don't even talk to you. What are you doing in my mind? Like, get out of my head. 100% drives me crazy because every once in a while, there'll be someone from your past that shows up and it's like, do we have unfinished business? Because I was pretty sure I made it clear where this thing began and where it ended. And more importantly, it ended and you, you're not supposed to be here. So for 15 minutes, I was wandering around in a fog going, it really felt like that happened. And and there's nothing worse than a dream that feels that real, unless it's that you dreamt that you won $40 million. Oh, <laughs> that's the worst. When you wake up convinced that you'd won the lottery and then you realize, oh no. It was yeah, just a dream. It, it's it's fun for a little while. Anyway, yeah. but we just got a dance monkeys uh, text message here, so <laughs> we are dancing. <laughs> and what about you, McNabb? You you you, you jinxed it, hey? You oh, mentioned I got you had seven and a half hours yep. of sleep the other night, uh, two nights ago, and then last night. What happened? My first text to you yesterday morning was, "Guess what? Like just like like, like a child, I slept seven and a half hours. I'm so excited. I felt great. I had so much energy yesterday. Last night." Whoa, no. what is going on? I don't know okay. what that noise is. Yeah, we just, just, a, just a reminder. Mackling is working from home. McNabb is working from home. I'm in studio. Jeff Forte is in master control. And something just happened. Somebody's feed went way up. Mackling, did you bump something? Are you there? No, I touched nothing. McNabb, are you there? But we agree we'd blame Mackling first, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, blame me for sure. <laughs> okay, sounds like we're back to normal. I'm anyway, not, okay. I, bragged, I bragged I had a great sleep. Then last night I was up by uh, around 1 and didn't fall back to sleep. So yes, yes, yesterday, seven and a half hours. 
today four and a half. So yeah, I texted you guys right away with with just nonsensical messages because I I'm not firing in all cylinders. And Brett, your yours was the worst. I think I feel the worst for you. <laughs> yeah, and listen, I I know that I've told you stories before about how I got to work and forgot my phone and had to go home and get it, or I got to work and realized I didn't have my wallet and needed it after work, so I had to go home and get it. Uh, this it's not apparently uncommon for me to forget things and I got so when I drive to work I live in Osborne Village uh, I live in those the evergreen towers just by the bridge but I like to take the scenic route through River Heights so I'm driving up Academy and I get to Academy and I think it's Centennial it's basically the last street before the turnoff to get to the St. James Bridge and I just reach like reach to my neck to see if I've got my swipe card I don't know what made me think of it and it wasn't there the lanyard wasn't there so I immediately turned around Drove home, almost home. I got to uh, Stafford and Grosvenor, and then I just rifled through my bag, and I found it in there. So then I t- turned around and zoomed back to work, got to work 20 minutes later than I wanted to. So I'm off. Uh, so actually, at 645, we're going to have a conversation about the things, the important things that we may have forgotten. Like, have you ever gone somewhere... Uh, like for a big day or an occasion or whatever, and realized, oh my God, I forgot whatever. Like I rem- I went to a wedding once and realized I'd forgotten the card with the presentation money in it. So I had to go home and get that. And I didn't even, like I had to take, I took a cab to the wedding. So I had to cab back home and then cab back. So that was a huge pain. So if you've got any stories like that, text us at 204-780-6868. But uh, CJ Martins here, Greg, is saying... His sleep patterns are messed up too. Yeah, it's super common, right? CJ saying I've been up since five, which is normal. If I working days, but I'm not. So we already have these messed up sleep patterns because of the shift that we work and we know that we're not alone especially in this hour of the morning so many of you are either starting your day along with us or maybe you're winding up your day so we know we're not alone in the odd sleep patterns we are brothers and sisters in arms on this one commiserate with us 204-780-6868 we are one another's support system and now and forever We are getting a flood of text messages. It is flood season after all. Flood of texts at 204-780-6868 on the things that we forget. Here's one for you, Jeff Fortier. You said you forgot your drumsticks on your way to a gig. Well, someone here says went to a a gig and forgot my bass drum. Good thing it was in the city. I got my wife (laughs) to bring it. Text message from Diane. Had a wedding in Nipawa in October in our hotel room getting ready. My husband puts on his shirt and tie, goes to grab his pants, and has none. Away we go to Giant Tiger to find dress pants. My phone rings. It's my sister. You didn't bring an extra outfit, did you? Her entire <laughs> dress bag was left at my parents three hours away. 20 minutes before the ceremony, we're getting dress pants for my husband, which they had none, so we ended up with new jeans and an outfit for my sister. Believe me, they don't have many shopping options in Nipawa. Made it to the ceremony just in time and had a fantastic time. Thanks for that story, <laughs> Diane. And McNabb, that's actually where we're going for a small town salute, is it not? Yeah, we're heading out to Nipawa, going down Highway 16 for our small town salute. They're doing some really cool things uh, just to celebrate their town, but also to help you know people stay positive through the COVID-19 pandemic so we'll be chatting with them after 7 30 keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868 the things you have forgotten when you realized oh boy this is a bad time to forget something it was five weeks ago today that manitoba announced its first covid19 case but we know much of canada has been dealing with it a lot longer than us since it first arrived in this country, and I believe it was about mid-January, there have been thousands of questions asked and then answered by health officials. And then in some cases, those questions have been re-asked because as we learn more about the coronavirus, some of those answers are are changing. And so it's why Chorus and Global News has been continuing with this really fantastic series, Greg, that allows listeners and viewers to weigh in with their questions and concerns. Yeah, and the voice and the face of this global's Jeff Semple then goes to the experts and shares what he's learned with us. Happy to welcome Jeff back this morning. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be back with you. 
Yeah, we appreciate that. And uh, hey, this question came from Christine, and I actually had this question on my email last week, Jeff, and it says this, a lot of people on our social media are saying they're sure they have had the coronavirus way before we started to hear about it, like back in November or sooner. Could this be true? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, according to the experts we've been speaking with, it is highly, highly unlikely that you were sick with the coronavirus, say, you know, last year in November, December, or even in January. And that's because, you know, if you look at the timeline of this, the outbreak was identified first in Wuhan, China at the end of December, you'll remember, and then it was declared a public health emergency of international concern at the end of January. And Canada did get its first confirmed case on January 25th. So it was a man in his 50s who arrived in Toronto from Wuhan, China. But what then started happening in February is that health officials in Canada and elsewhere started carrying out what's called sentinel surveillance. So they started randomly testing patients who came in with symptoms, uh, taking swabs in the same way that they usually do for the flu. And these tests kept coming back negative, negative, over and over through the month of February, and it wasn't until March that a lot of these tests started to come back positive. Um, so it's, you know, it's theoretically possible that you had it, you know, in January, but I think, um, you know, probably much more likely that you had the seasonal flu, which typically peaks the last week of December and the first two weeks of January. And as we know, the symptoms can be very similar. A lot of more people outside exercising. Uh, listener Kathy wants to know if heavier breathing done by joggers or others exercising is more risky to be near. Yeah, another great question. And, you know, we've certainly heard from people who even, you know, professional runners who say they don't, they don't feel comfortable now running outside. They're worried they could become infected. There's been a lot of confusion about this one. And I think it's worth noting a few things, according to the experts. Uh, first of all, if you're outside, you're actually less likely to catch the virus. It tends to spread better indoors. Germs dissipate a lot more quickly outside. Also worth remembering, this virus does not spread through sweat droplets. It spreads through respiratory droplets. So things that come out of your mouth and nose when you cough and sneeze or even, you know, laugh and talk in very close contact, but not when you're running. It is theoretically possible, though, that if you were running, say, behind someone who was sick, that person then coughed or sneezed and then you, you know, basically ran into their air that you could become infected. I think a lot of the confusion on this one has been driven by this Belgian-Dutch study that came out a little while ago. You remember hearing about this one where they basically said that instead of that two-meter rule where we're all supposed to stay two meters apart, they said that runners should stay 10 meters apart because according to their study, uh, viruses could spread through the slipstream. So basically getting you know shot back through the, through the air as they ran through uh, that study, though, has received a lot of criticism. It was published really early, before it was complete, before it had been independently reviewed, concerns about a lack of data. So, you know, if you take, you know, public health officials and experts' word for it, including, you know, Bonnie Henry and BC's provincial health official, who said that this is just simply not a very common way to see the virus spread, and it's very unlikely that you would get sick from a runner. The important rule for runners, like everyone else, just stay two meters apart. That's why what you're doing is so important, Jeff, because you have these different studies that different people might read and then have their own questions. And, and some of them might have been debunked or, or like you mentioned, Dr. Henry explaining what she thinks is the theory. And, and another question that's come up, and this has happened in our home, too. We talk about what we should do with groceries when we bring them in. And another question has been, what do we do with our shoes? Can the coronavirus stick, stick to shoes? Should we be sanitizing them? Yeah, and that's another one where we've seen a lot of confusion. And, and part of that, I think, was, was driven by Ontario's Premier, Doug Ford. In a press conference a while ago, he said, you know, this virus can spread in unusual ways. It can even travel on your shoes. And people thought, oh, my God, I've been walking around in these shoes. Uh, am I spreading the virus? Again, it's possible, but highly unlikely. And this is an interesting one because health officials have been carrying out these environmental contamination studies. So basically, if you have a sick patient with COVID-19, they then check the hospital room to see where else, in, you know, the virus has spread. Uh, you know, and, and on one hand, it's quite remarkable that, you know, the enti patient's entire room is typically contaminated with this thing. Even if they're laying on a, on, you know, on, you know, on a, on a house hospital bed in, on oxygen, they're not getting up, they're not moving around. You know, this thing is really contagious. It spreads throughout the room, but they're not seeing much contamination on shoes or in the areas just outside of that hospital room, suggesting that, you know, there's no contamination just outside the room. So it appears that shoes aren't, aren't tracking the virus 
out of the room, if you like. Now, there have been some studies, though, that have shown the virus turn up on shoes, just like other items of clothing. Shoes, you know, typically that kind of material isn't a surface that's going where the virus is going to survive very long. So you can take some comfort in that. But, you know, I think shoes, groceries, whatever, if you bring things from outside into your home, which you're trying to keep safe, of course, just practice, you know, basic hand hygiene and you should be okay. Do we have time for this last one, Brett? Yeah, let it rip. Yeah, Jeff, uh, this is, I think, an important one just because we've seen close to half the deaths in Canada have come at personal care homes. At what point should families consider taking residents out of long-term care, pardon me, and back to family homes where conceivably or theoretically they might be safer? Yeah, that is a tough question, one we've gotten a lot, as you say, around half the deaths in Canada are in long-term care homes. The last I checked, the mortality rate for someone in a long-term care home with COVID-19 is like something like 30%. Uh, so horrific numbers. Um, and we've heard from the Chief Public Health Officer of Canada, Dr. Theresa Tam, who says that she thinks that even as the growth overall of COVID-19 cases in Canada begins to slow down, the number of deaths in long-term care facilities will likely continue to rise. So it's a real concern. Unsurprisingly, you know, you talk to experts, they say, look, there's not really a one-size-fits-all answer to this. And that's in part because, you know, different care homes offer completely different services and levels of care. And this has been one of the problems, of course, right? So if you're at home and you're wondering whether to bring your loved one out of a care home and perhaps back into your house, Maybe check first to see what steps the long-term care facility have been taking to protect their people. You know, are they wearing masks and personal protective equipment? Do they have protocols in place? What's their diagnostic capability like? So ask those questions and then ask yourself, you know, do you have the capability to care for a loved one at home? And, and are you sure that you can prevent bringing the virus home into and infecting them in a home environment? So, you know, that's a common question and that's one of the toughest ones we've been receiving and unfortunately, it really just depends on each person's situation. Global's Jeff Semple, where do listeners submit their questions to you? Yeah, please, please, please do keep the questions coming. And the email address we've been using, yourquestions at globalnews.ca. And if we don't talk about your answers here on the radio, you can also go online, globalnews.ca slash coronavirus, where we're posting a lot of the questions and answers as well. Jeff Semple, thank you very much for the time, sir. Thanks, guys. text from Gary, a.k.a. Sleepy Beefaroni. I drove long-haul semi and I wound up forgetting my Merce in the washroom of a Benton Harbor, Michigan truck stop and only realized it as I was approaching Detroit-Windsor border. The Merce had all my ID and cash, which was all there after I turned around and drove back four hours to retrieve it. I still have the Merce hanging in the garage. Sleepy Beefaroni, thank you for that story. And he shared that story because we're talking about the things that we have forgotten when we get somewhere and realize, oh man, because I almost got to work today and realized, or at least I thought I had forgotten my swipe card. Turns out it was in my bag, but I didn't discover that until I had almost gotten home. So I had to turn around and zoom back to work 20 minutes late. So what are the things that you have forgotten when you get somewhere? 204-780-6868, shoot us a text. But Greg's here, Loren is here, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Braun is here, Jeff Fortier is here. Fortier, why don't we start with you, pal? Uh, well, I've already told you guys the story about the one time where I had a gig here in the city when I was playing drums, and I forgot my drumsticks. Oh, no. <laughs> but I was able to, to find some in the back of the car, so there's that one. There's also one time I was playing a gig out in, I think it was Verdon, Manitoba, and I, I get out there and uh, look down on my shoes, and I have my work shoes on. I used to work at a pizza place, and they're covered with, like, crusty flour, and they're, like, falling apart. What's rock and roll about that? Nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Was it a grunge band? No, it was just a cover band. <laughs> but uh, then my first day of working here, I forgot my key card. The first day. Oh. Like, don't be late on your first day. But, you know, luckily I'm still here. So uh, <laughs> it wound out, uh, out good. So uh, Lucky for us, indeed. How about you, Jeff Braun? Uh, just about a, two months ago, in the middle of winter... I did the thing, and I do this every few years, where I go to the gas station, I fill her up, but then I realize, oh, I forgot to bring my wallet. How am I supposed to pay for this gas? <laughs> and, it and, the, and, the, and it was already in the tank, so it was too late. And I went in there, and then you got to have 
the world's most awkward conversation trying to explain it to the guy and trying to make it look like, you know, you're not trying to rip them off or something. And luckily, the guy was good enough. Uh, I gave him some collateral. I gave him my phone. And then I quickly drove home and got my wallet and went back and collected it. Wow. That's good that you're able to negotiate that. I, I, I'm trying to remember if that's ever happened to me. I'll have to think about that. What about you, Kelly Moore? Well, there. I don't remember exactly when this was, but it was back when I was still playing hockey. And I forgot my gloves, which is probably not a great thing to do. Uh, but I had uh, taken them out of my hockey bag to dry somewhere and, of course, uh, didn't leave myself nearly enough time to get to the rink. And by the time I got there, getting all ready, you know, I had a routine on how to put the equipment on. And as I'm just getting ready to go out, as I grab my stick, I realize, where are my gloves? Thank goodness, though, a teammate had an extra pair. Oh, boy. Oh. Bailed out. Yeah, I guess, I guess you can't play without the gloves, right? Uh, you could, but <laughs> you'd be a sitting duck for anybody that wanted to get you out of the game. Mind you, most of my opponents thought, let's leave him in the game. It's better for us. <laughs> uh, what about you, McNabb? Oh, have I ever forgotten anything? Never. Never. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> I have forgotten my key cards so many times that the receptionist at our new place at 201 Portage, where we're supposed to be moving, reminded me that I should have all my old ones from years ago still in my purse somewhere. But no, I'd rather throw somebody else. I've forgotten my passport. I've forgotten keys. I have forgotten tickets for flights. I've forgotten sunglasses for warm vacations. But I'm going to throw my husband under the bus instead because it's more fun that way. And I think a lot of women can relate to when you're packing your family to go somewhere we end up doing more of the packing sometimes not speaking for everybody but in our family i'll do the kids i'll do myself and my husband will say don't worry i've got my stuff well last year we got all the way to mexico and he opens up his suitcase and he turns to me and says did you remember to pack my shorts and i'm like did i remember to pack your shorts no and so he had to do the whole vacation in jeans and i thought that was hilarious he didn't go buy a pair of shorts I think he wore his swim trunks for some time. Um, and no, no, I think he just uh, endured. Wow. Endured stubbornly, yeah. Yeah, stubborn is the word there. I, I almost want to salute that stubbornness. Mackling, what about you? <laughs> well, I forgot my wife's last name. <laughs> that counts. Yeah, July 28th. I remember the exact date, Kelly. July 28th, 2018. Family vacation. We're up at 4:30 in the morning. We get to the airport, and you know how you slide your your passport into the machine to read who's all boarding the aircraft. Well, Jackie's comes up with an error. Slide it again three times. So we go see ticket agent. We've been married for 13 years at that point in time, and I decided that she had reverted to her maiden name at some point when I was purchasing the tickets. And oh. so the agent had to get on the phone, and there was a real chance that, that her ticket was going to be invalid and that we were going to have to buy a whole new ticket to go to Chicago for a week. But... Uh, the Delta agent was incredible, and we only had to pay a $58 fee versus buying an entire ticket. Um, Jackie's still not over that, and every single time we go to the airport, I, I feel the heat on the back of my <laughs> neck because she's reliving that over and over and over again. Text message from Terry at 204-780-6868, who says, My husband and I go away in January. I do all the packing and getting ready for the both of us, usually in September or October. One year, we, when we got to our hotel, I realized I had forgotten my swimsuit. Where we go in Cuba, there are no stores. So I had to swim for three weeks in shorts and a T-shirt. So that's not stubbornness. That's just necessity because there's no other choice. I guess yeah. I guess you could have gone with no clothes, but uh, uh -oh. that's maybe a little too adventurous. <laughs> and Kevin just quickly says, my son and wife arrived at our house from theirs in Arburg, hour and a half away. When they got here, my son realized he forgot his passport. He needed it because we were all heading off to the States. So he had to drive all the way back home to get it before we could leave. Three hours return trip. He never forgot it again.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. When it comes to local businesses, I think we've all got a favorite or favorites. I've often mentioned Santa Lucia Pizza. I was planning to order some this weekend, but I think I might hold off until next week because I bought a bunch of Chinese food yesterday and I've ordered way too much. So I'm going to be eating Chinese food for, I think, three or four days. But also, if you go to my Instagram, at Brett McGarry, uh, last week I put up a video where I showed off my my hat collection, which is all local uh, hats like from places like Zuike, Vogue Sportswear. I'm wearing my Winnipeg Thunder hat from Vogue right now. Uh, the Peg Authentic. Blue Bombers, I'm wearing a Blue Bomber hoodie right now. Uh, Prairie Proud, which is based out of Saskatchewan, but they're local. Long Ball Inc., uh, Torque Brewing, the list goes on. So, yeah, local businesses, I do what I can to support them all year. I watched that video of yours, Brett, and I was in awe. I was like, how long is this row of hats he's got? And also, how long is this couch that it can fit all these hats on display? I, I had a lot of questions after that video. But whether it's the clothing stores that you loved, I went on Mondetta's website last night actually thinking, I wonder if there's stuff I can order locally and have delivered in hopes of supporting local businesses. So clothing stores, restaurants, shop owners, you know, are working 24-7 right now trying to stay afloat. And many of them might be struggling, which is where a new initiative comes in. It's called Local Futures. If you head to their website, localfutures.ca, it says its goal is to help customers support small businesses during COVID-19. And then, Greg, when this passes, businesses can return the favor. Yeah, I love this concept. So what does it all mean? Tyler Ibrahim joins us now to explain. Good morning, Tyler. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time with us. Uh, First of all, what's your role with this? Uh, Were you in on creating the site? Give us some background, if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. So I work at a company called Protegra. We're a local software company here in Winnipeg. And uh, we we usually build custom systems for clients in all kinds of different sectors, mainly enterprise stuff. But we also build our own uh, businesses that usually have obviously software at their core. Uh, So one of my coworkers, actually his cousin, uh, Megan Gabbert, she's a local business owner herself. And she's been forced to close two of her gym locations due to COVID-19. She was seeing no revenue, of course, due to her her closed locations, uh, but was still facing very large fixed costs like her commercial rent payments. So she had an idea, and her idea was sort of based on the fact that a few of her customers wanted to keep paying while she was closed. And she thought, well, that's not quite right. I don't want to accept money now in exchange for you know no value, but maybe I can think of a more mutually beneficial arrangement. So she thought maybe I could accept cash now in exchange for a future discount when she reopens. So she approached us to see if we could help her build this solution. Um, she knew, obviously, her, actually two of her cousins work at Protegra, and she knew about our experience with uh, the local frequency program, which is a shop local app that we developed a few years ago. Um, and so, yeah, obviously, you see many businesses that are being forced to close um, or are seeing a very sharp decline in revenue due to the impact of COVID-19. Uh, and so uh, local businesses we find are particularly impacted by this and a lot of them are considered non-essential um, and uh, just in terms of access to capital it's a bit more difficult for a lot of them than the big multinationals that we're seeing these days um, so and and as you both know or as all three of you know I should say sorry um, um, uh, this tends to be uh, businesses that are super important in our community the one-offs and two-offs that that make our community uh, unique right so small business is massive employer important for our economy so uh, we thought this is a perfect opportunity for us to help and work with Megan on this solution. So we worked quickly and launched Local Futures. So uh, as you said, people can go to localfutures.ca. I'm happy to give some more information on kind of how it works. Well, yeah, tell us. How does it work? Sure. So uh, the key thing that we want people to realize is how it's different than buying a gift card. So um, a lot of businesses are looking for uh, gift card purchases today, which is great. Uh, but then when you go to spend it, they get no additional cash, right? So this could present a cash flow issue down the line for those businesses. Um, I totally understand the intention of buying a gift card, and that's great. You want to get cash into the hands of the business now. Um, But uh, Local Futures, we think, is a better mechanism for your favorite local businesses to help them with cash flow down the line when they do reopen. Um, So an example I find makes it very clear. So Shawarma Khan, um, they're actually the first company to raise a successful campaign. They raised $5,000 in 10 days just a couple days ago. Um, so for every dollar that you contribute towards Shawarma Khan, he'll give you $1.50 in savings when he reopens. So for example, if you were to contribute $50 today, he would make that worth 75 in savings. So 
rather than that being like a gift card where I now have a balance of, let's say, $75 and can spend it like cash, I can only chip away at this $75 credit by taking advantage of a discount. Um, so it's up to the business. In Shawarma Khan's case, it was a 50% offer. So once he reopens, I basically get 50% off every time I go to Shawarma Khan until I've saved $75. So that's kind of the complicated rundown of how it works. I like to think of it, give 50 now, get 50% off till you save 75 bucks. So good for you, good for the business that you love. All the offers are different. That was just Shawarma Khan's offer. So go check the website to see um, what other offers are out there. It's like an investment in the business's future. So, Tyler, what other shops can we find on this website? And some people might be asking, are you getting any kickback from this? Or is this all just not-for-profit straight money going to the business? Good question. So uh, in terms of the other businesses that are on there, you know, it's for anything, uh, restaurants, retail, you know, service businesses like salons, uh, gyms and fitness locations. Uh, For the business, it's a no-lose proposition. So we're trying to get the word out to more businesses that they can join this. That leads into your next question, which is about, you know, are we earning anything from this activity? Uh, We decided to do this as a not-for-profit initiative. So uh, the way that it works, we have uh, made the site, uh, the site is made possible uh, thanks to our generous uh, sponsors, uh, World Trade Center Winnipeg, uh, PKF Lawyers, and the Johnston Group uh, supported this so that uh, actually when you go to the site, 100% of the proceeds go to the business that you're supporting. So there's no transaction fees that we're taking, nothing like that. It's truly a community-supported effort uh, where all of the the money goes to the business. So uh, you can feel good about using the site and feel good about supporting local business. The website is localfutures.ca. Tyler Ibrahim, this is a wonderful initiative. Thanks for coming on to tell us about it. Thank you very much for your time. And you can also find a link to that on 680CJOB's Instagram story. Let's talk about drinking, shall we? You've no doubt seen the memes about drinking lately. McNabb sent us one the other day that said, it may take a village to raise a child, but I swear it's going to take a vineyard to homeschool one. Love that one. Saw another one that said, your alcoholic quarantine name is your first name, followed by (laughs) your last name. And hey, those are funny. We like to joke about alcohol consumption. As Homer Simpson once said, to alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Do I have to be the voice of reason here? Yes. I will nominate myself. <laughs> One of the questions of the day we had this week had to do with drinking, and we put the question up on Twitter at 680CJOB is our Twitter handle, asking, are you drinking more alcohol during self-isolation? Pretty simple question. Here were the answers. 40% of you, 4-0, said yes, said no, and 18% said about the same. It's just a Twitter poll, but 40% is enough to raise one or maybe two eyebrows, which is why we want to revisit a story that McNabb brought us last year, an award-winning story, by the way. Details on that in a moment, Brett. Yeah, it was just over a year ago, Brett. I think we did a story about dry January. We were talking to a doctor about our love affair with alcohol consumption. And both you and I exited that interview thinking, "Uh uh-oh, that was a lot of information in there that we might want to pay attention to. So we launched the series on alcohol. We talked to first responders in Winnipeg who say calls for alcohol-related incidents dwarf those for meth. 17 times a day they get calls related to, to booze incidents. We talked to addictions experts. And then we talked about this concept of the wine mom or the mummy drinking culture. And I want to be really clear for our listeners, not only am I a mom, I admit to liking my wine. So this isn't about attacking that, but it is a really thought-provoking conversation that we held about a year ago, and I think it's just as relevant today, perhaps more so. Do you want to know what's in this glass? Hope. They're just two moms having some wine. I was telling myself I can have a glass and a half. Talking about their day. Their hashtag is I mom so hard and the American duo are an internet hit using comedy to grocery shop so hard, flu and cold so hard. I'm not going to even call them Finn and Eleanor anymore. I'm literally going to name them cold and flu. And yes, wine so hard. That video alone has 195,000 hits and I see why. 
They're funny, relatable, and sure, in some of the videos, they share a glass of wine. I get that too. That's a, that's a hard day with kids model. I got no shame about this. I got no like, shame either. As the same video plays in front of a room of healthcare professionals and social workers, there are more laughs, but also a few raised eyebrows. This class is run by the Addictions Foundation of Manitoba, and that video is just one of dozens of examples used by the instructors to highlight what they consider a worrisome trend. Uh, Moms who drink and swear has 1 million likes on Facebook and uh, Mommy Needs Vodka has 3.5 million likes on Facebook. So there's a real community, multiple communities in social media for women to really engage and talk about drinking and often not drinking in a in a healthy way. That's Kathleen Keating Tays, and she and her colleague have been teaching this class on women and substance abuse for years. The course isn't new, but in recent years, they've had to add to it with a conversation about wine mums. Might be professionals, they have children, and they are using wine as a means of enhancing a social experience or as a means to numb out from the stresses of being a parent. Now, if you're thinking, so what? Men, fathers, have been drinking and parenting for years. I thought the same thing. Why judge this? Why us? We're not saying that women should never be drinking, and we're not saying that there isn't such a thing as as moderation when it comes to substance use. We're just asking for people to take a look at why alcohol should be considered as a gender equalizer. when the reality is, is that it does cause a lot, of, a lot of harm, and it causes a lot of harm particularly for women. Keating Taves is part of a growing group who believe the memes filling up our social media feeds, ones like, the most expensive part of having kids is all the wine you have to drink, are missing an important point. It's not sexist, it's science. And alcohol. The science is that women absorb more alcohol from each drink than men do, in part due to having fewer enzymes in the stomach that help break down alcohol. And studies have shown that can make women more susceptible to diseases like cirrhosis of the liver, different problems with the heart, and they can even become addicted more quickly than men. But that's not all. Here's Dr. Sherry Fandry. As few as two drinks per day for a woman can double the likelihood that she will die before the age of 70 of breast cancer. Not just doubling her risk of breast cancer, but doubling the likelihood that it would be fatal before age 70, that she will die early because of breast cancer. So, Since 2001, the rate for women dying from alcohol-related illnesses jumped 26%, just 5% for men. Dr. Fandry has one theory why. Women are being played, and they're being played in a very cynical way by the alcohol industry, and I think they deserve to know that. So you see wines like uh, Mommy's uh, Time Out or um, Bitch Wine, Little Black Dress. Those are targeted to women. If I ask my husband... There's the marketing campaigns and then how we look at alcohol ourselves. Take another popular video series called Women Who Love Wine. Is it cheap? Yeah. Is it the color red? Yeah. I'll take it. One of many that might still get a chuckle, at least until Keating Taves asks the addictions education class and you to consider this. So let's take that image and let's change the backdrop. So if you get... um, a core area, a housing project, switch up the kind of alcohol, maybe they're drinking beer, drinking hard stuff, and you have a video of these women getting real about some of their struggles. Are we judgmental about that group compared with the suburban women who are in a nice home drinking wine? And why is that? I think that was a great ending point to, as we said a year ago, Greg, flip the script. If you look at it differently, would you judge it differently and would you still laugh? And yep, I'm going to keep looking at those memes and laughing, but I think the conversation we might want to keep having is about why we're laughing and whether our consumption might be too much these days. And I couldn't certainly not wrap up my thoughts on that in 20 seconds or so, but I do want to say this. It was an extraordinary story, part of an extraordinary series spearheaded by our partner in crime here. And Lorraine, I just want to say, and Brett, I apologize for speaking on behalf of both of us, but 20 months ago, we were just a couple schlubs on the radio trying to make our way through a morning show. And you came and joined our team. And and to quote Jerry Maguire, you completed us in a different way. But you, you have uh, just, you, I couldn't ask for, and I, I couldn't 
think of anybody better to be a part of what we do here every day. You made that move from television, an extraordinary journalist on the world stage internationally. And to have you as part of our team is just, it's so magnificent. And this is part of a, of a series, as I said, and this story won an award. It was announced yesterday, the RTDNA Awards that highlight excellence in broadcast journalism across the country. And uh, our colleague, Tristan Field-Jones, also won an award. Congratulations, Loren, and, and just thank you for being you. Oh, thank you. I can't talk. So, Brett, you take it away. Yeah, speak for yourself, Macklin. You want to call yourself a schlub? You go ahead, but keep me out of it. <laughs> Congratulations, though, McNabb. That's awesome stuff. Uh, like, we, I, I just did an interview with you that day, but you thought of an entire week-long series. So uh, that's the difference between a mind of a journalist and a mind of a couch potato. So congratulations to you, to Tristan Field-Jones, and our colleagues over at Global Television who won an award for Best Newscast in a Major Market for Global News at 6. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. If you leave the house, are you surprised by the amount of traffic on Winnipeg streets? Yes, I thought there would be less. Yes, I thought there would be more. Or no, about what I imagined. And this question came from an observation you made, Greg, when you uh, headed out into the wilderness. Yeah, I was surprised at how much traffic there was yesterday. I had to go to Home Depot. I needed a few things and uh, I made a very long list. I actually walked around the house and I said, yeah, I need something for that, that and that. Anyway, I made it count and I waited in line. Oh, for only about 15 minutes to get in. But the the traffic did surprise me. I thought it would be a lot quieter on uh, Wednesday around 11 o'clock in the morning. Didn't feel like a regular day, but a lot more traffic than I was anticipating, for sure. And yesterday afternoon's question, with toilet paper in short supply, have you considered rolling with alternatives like like wipes or a bidet? And uh, the response is 53% say no way, 31% say we'll see, and 16% say absolutely. That question came from the fact that uh, they're because, because people are turning to things like disposable wipes, uh, systems kind of getting clogged up. And Greg, we talked about this two or three weeks ago, I think, when people were hoarding toilet paper. Uh, we were saying don't use things like Kleenex, right? Yeah, don't use Kleenex. Certainly don't use paper towel. And those wipes that say on the package they're flushable, they might go down your toilet, but they cause problems further down the line. We've seen that in a lot of major Canadian cities. So, yeah, toilet paper only in the toilet if you can it, it's good for everybody it's good for uh, the city and those taking care of our our water and waste systems for sure so cast your vote at cjob.com and on twitter at 680 cjob now we love greg to look out for one another in this part of the world I think so, and I like to think that we're a neighborly group in Manitoba, Brett. On March 23rd, which quite frankly seems like a year ago, the Premier announced a new online tool created to connect those in our community needing some assistance and getting groceries or other errands they would normally do themselves, but can't because of the restrictions caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and the changes to our daily lives. The website launched with a tremendous amount of success and we wanted to check in and see how things are going loren joelle foster is the ceo of north forge technology exchange one of the partners in creating this service portal in what was record time she joins us now in the start good morning joelle good morning we had a lot of questions from listeners over the past few weeks because many people need the help we also have a lot of manitobans who want to help so how many people do we have using the site right now well, on March 24th, when I talked with you the day after the announcement, we had uh, we had about 2,800 users at the time. And as of this morning, we are over 60% increase with over 6,300 users. Wow, that's crazy. I, I signed up and I, I wanted to help out with delivering or going to grab some groceries. But uh, I was actually in the process of just registering because there was a request in the queue and by the time I was done registering it was gone like it was to the point where people were were like like piranhas just waiting to snap up the requests that came in 
<laughs> people, you know, one of the things about uh, getting out and helping people, it's, it's getting out. And, you know, you, you're sitting at home and you want to do something. And we do have, I think, more volunteers than users. So we actually have version 1.2 going live today or tomorrow. So your phone call is absolutely uh, perfect. And what we're doing is we're allowing organizations to upload their volunteers. So we've had an interest from the Bear Clan and the Winnipeg Police Service. So what they can do now is upload a CSV file with who their volunteers are, and it'll indicate whether they've had a uh, background check, which will decrease the administration on our part. And then when people respond, they can say they're with the Bear Clan or Winnipeg Police. And we're hoping that these organizations can also get into the community to let people know about us because I think that some people still haven't heard about Help Next Door. Well, we'll do our best to make sure that more and more people hear about it, Joelle. But this project and how quickly it happened, and maybe you can remind us in your answer here, uh, this embodies so many things, Manitoban, ingenuity, a strong entrepreneurial uh, community, one that works well together, uh, an emerging uh, area of expertise with regards to technology, just highlights so many things we're, we're really good at. Oh, yes. Okay. So when we were, when the province approached us and said, you know what, can, can you help us? Can you do this for us? You know, right away, there are so many tech companies that we have here in Manitoba. And I don't think people realize that. It was so easy. Two phone calls signed up immediately. So ID Fusion software and permission click. And as you know, permission click they work with schools all over North America and uh, big, big into the United States. So this is their, their wheelhouse. And they created this in six days, what would normally take seven weeks. But that just goes to show you um, they put 100%, put all of their other work off to the side and focused on this to make a difference in their community. When it comes to trying to make a difference, how the site came together is proof about how badly people want to help out in the in these times, maybe now more than ever. And also the amount of people you've had sign up is, is, is another proof positive of that, Joelle. When it comes to that list of users now on the site, is it actually more people just looking to help or is it organizations needing the help? What's the what's the split there? Um, there you know, there is a lot of individuals asking for help. Uh, delivery is a really, it's one of our biggest ones. The second one is um, people that need people to talk with about mental health. But there are a lot of organizations that have asked us, you know, we, um, we need people to help with our cancer care patients. Can they be driven to their appointments? That's why we created, um, the second thing we created is we're allowing users to set a help request when they need more than one volunteer. So this can be used if there is a flood and sandbagging efforts. So we're thinking beyond COVID. We're thinking about potential flooding. We're thinking about anything else that may strike our province and how we can help. And we have 170 communities signed up now. Now, with this site, is there a way to to uh, get notifications as a volunteer, or do you just have to go to the site and see what's in the queue? You have to go to the site and see what's in the queue. That is something that we want to implement, but that takes a little bit more programming. And, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, we're working on a very, uh, you know, we've got organizations that also have to make money, and they're volunteering their, a lot of their time to do this. So that is in one of our next versions coming up. So, Joelle, one more time, remind us where we can get information and where we can see the launch of version 1.2 and, and get involved. Help Next Door MB, short for Manitoba.ca. Oh. Go there, sign up, be a volunteer. If you need help, request the help. We're here for you. Joelle Foster, CEO of North Forge Technology Exchange, one of the partners in Help Next Door MB. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Joelle. Thanks, guys. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, just before we introduce our next guest, still getting just bombarded with awesome text messages at 204-780-6868 on the stuff that we have forgotten. First, Greg, a story from DJ. 
Oh, man, my my heart was pounding reading this one. I think it is to a certain extent. Very first trip to Disney World. Boys were eight and six, so 2006. First day at rides, four of us on a water ride. You put your purses, camera in this middle compartment of a round boat to keep everything dry. Four teenagers got on with us, two from Toronto visiting local friends. Had a great time on the ride, got good and wet. We left first. My wife realizes the purse is still in the dry compartment on the boat. We run back on a, on uh, the way back. They pass the four teenagers who also passed uh, him. This is DJ speaking. Purse gone. Kids gone. Passports. Disney passes. Everything for an entire two weeks. Cannot find the teenagers. Six hours later, after numerous calls and searches, my wife calls back to Lost and Found to check for the eighth time. They strongly suggest we come look. Purse found. One of the characters saw it in a garbage can. Teenagers took the traveler's checks, unsigned, so useless to them. Old camera, but left the cash behind and all the rest, including my wife's police badge. Wonder if that stopped them from going any further. Vacation saved. That was a Wow, harrowing uh, half a day or so at Disney World. I'm getting sweaty just uh, thinking about that adventure. And what's this one about a gas station, Loren? Oh, I love this story. So uh, this listener writes to say, when my son was a baby, I was going to play group with him. My daughter was in kindergarten that day, so it was just me and him going to play group. I got ready to put him in his car seat because he was still sleeping, and I asked my ex to put him in the car while I ran to get something. So the ex is supposed to put the baby in the car seat in the car. She doesn't bother to check, jumps in the van, drives all the way to the playgroup, opens the van door, kid not there, calls her ex and he says, uh, yep, he's still beside me sleeping. She says, jump to many years later and I forgot the same son at the gas station after getting (laughs) gas. All three kids got out to go to the bathroom. I jumped back into the car, pulled out of the parking lot. His siblings, of course, said nothing until I got to the highway. They're laughing and say, uh, mom, you forgot Brady. Slam the brakes on, turn around, say, don't say a word to him. He has no clue we've left him behind. Come back. He gets in and we start driving. And of course, the siblings rat me out. They still remind me of this now. They are 2018 and 15. And she says, yes, I know I'm a bad parent, but, you know, hear me out. She says, I haven't left them anywhere else since the gas station incident. <laughs> Poor Brady. Oh, I love it. I love siblings, too. Like, they know the kid's not there, and they're like, let's just see where this goes. Let's see Let's see how long we can go before mom realizes she's forgotten one of us. Well, we appreciate all these text messages with you. This is a wonderful community of listeners that we have here at 680 CGOB. Thank you for sharing your story. And on the subject of community, Greg, that's what we want to talk about right now. Well, I like to think pride in our community is one of our favorite things to celebrate on this program, on this radio station. And the number of young entrepreneurs we have featured over the years is incredibly long. Many of them are marketing a product or service, service rather, which highlights their love of Winnipeg and or Manitoba. Brett, you proudly display and consume these products, which end up in your tummy or on your head we were talking about this a little bit earlier this morning but the collection of hats that you have is absolutely mind-blowing and all manitoba oriented yeah it's uh, my head's kind of become a walking billboard really for all these local companies making wonderful products uh, currently wearing my throwback winnipeg thunder hat from Vogue sportswear i've got three hats from the peg uh, i've got a hat from our friends at zuike uh, i'm trying to think north flag i have the middle province hat from them that uh, john cho uh, featured on gq magazine so yeah the, the list goes on but uh you know it's it, it i wear them because of the pride that i have for this community it's to the point when brett comes into work with one of these hats on his head i think i say like every other time new hat brett and you're like nope because you have so many that when you put a different one on, it's been that long since you last worn it because you, you the rotation is huge. So it's kudos to you, man. And now in addition to hats, we have a shiny way to display your affection for many of the special arts groups and nonprofit organizations in our community, courtesy of our next guest. Hillary Jacksman is an institution in our city. I think it's uh, no, one, no overstatement to state that. And she joins us now. Good morning, Hillary. Good morning. Just for those who aren't familiar, and there won't be many, but how long have you been designing and making jewelry? Uh, well, in March, we celebrated our 26th year in business. 
That is absolutely incredible. Now, I have to say this uh, wholeheartedly. The pieces you make are absolutely spectacular. And there are a few pieces that are extra special. My wife and I have come to uh, really appreciate the Good Works initiative. It allows us to buy a piece of jewelry for people that are special to us to honor something that's special to them. So thank you for doing that. Maybe just for those that are unfamiliar with Good Works, what's it all about? Uh, well, about 10 years ago, different nonprofit organizations started approaching us, um, you know, to create a piece that we could sell on their behalf to uh, raise awareness and funds for the good work they're doing in our community. And, um, you know, uh, we try to um, address, like, each... Um, requests that we get and uh we've designed over a hundred pieces for um, local non-profit organizations and uh, we we uh support them by selling them on our website in our store and then they can sell them at events as well now what is the yeah, piece that, incredible what is the piece that you've created for what you're calling the pause well the pause uh, yeah just um after reflecting um after closing the store on March 17th and having to lay off half of my team, um, you know, just uh, trying to find some positive light in this, you know, these difficult times. Um, in a conversation with my, my son, George, around the uh, kitchen table, you know, we're just, what would be a nice, simple piece, a, a way to reflect on what everyone is going through? Um, and uh, he suggested the pause button, and that immediately uh, gave me an idea. I, I quickly made up a sample and then worked with um, our talented writer, Morgan Sislam Fontaine, and she uh, you know, helped me put to words a message of, of support for our community. Hillary, this is amazing. You just said in there, uh, and I, I know that had to be incredibly painful to, to do, let alone to revisit it. You, you laid off half your staff because, of course, these times are beyond tough for so many businesses. And then you go ahead and launch something to help others. That's a pretty incredible thing to do. You mentioned your son in the conversation you had. Is, is it helped you to provide that sort of positivity in what can really be just, I'm sure, challenging days? Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, what got me through the first month of, of this. And, uh, you know, I know, um, being, you know, we've gone through different challenges in our business, and I know that we can overcome pretty much anything with our team. So, you know, uh, it yeah, it definitely did give me uh, hope and uh, sort of something to keep my mind off of really what's, you know, going on and just, focus on the positive and, and uh, the hope for better days to come. If you're just tuning in, our guest is Hillary Druxman. She's a jeweler, extraordinaire, designer, maker, and 26 years in business in our community. Hillary, I have to imagine you've had opportunities, invitations to, to ply your trade and to move your business elsewhere. Why do you decide to stay in Winnipeg? Um, you know what? I love the local support, uh, the flexibility that uh, Winnipeg allows. I, I don't think I don't know if I could have started this business in anywhere else. Um, initially, when I, I began 26 years ago, I would go to trade shows in the U.S. and and um, in New York and and uh, Las Vegas and. You know, sort of really, um, did, uh, we actually exported about 80% of our product initially. Uh, we did a lot more manufacturing. And, um, you know, I was always happy to come home and just, you know, get down to work after, you know, going to the trade shows and, you know, sort of understanding that market. And, um uh, you know, being in Winnipeg, it's allowed us to be flexible and we've, uh, had to restructure over the last 26 years. And this model that we sort of have right now has positioned us well with an online store um, and, uh, you know, really talented group that uh, we can provide exceptional customer service and turn things around quickly. 
just looking at the pause button. It's really cool. I like it. Uh, and maybe it's just because, you know, we work in radio. We've had to yeah. press the pause button many times. Uh, I see, just see the symbol and instantly recognize it. Is it, is this something that's tailored uh, towards like can guys and gals wear this or uh, like, is it uh, for one size fits all kind of deal? Uh, well, typically most of we, of our pieces we do in a, a 16, 18 inch length, but we certainly can make it longer, adapt it into a pin or, you know, on a longer chain for, for males that want to wear it as well. How do we find more information? Where do we go, Hillary, if we want to um, figure out how to get this necklace? Or uh, to be honest, I just was distracted there because I was shopping while you were talking <laughs> on your website. I already have your Manitoba necklace, and then Brett mentioned the pause, and so I went and looked at that. And then I apologize. I completely, I'm, I'm literally in the checkout item here. Um, oh. wh- where do we go, Hillary, to find information? Tell us uh, about your website. On our website, hillarydrexman.com, there's one Ellen Hillary, and then under Good Works. Um, it's on the first page there and we'd be happy to courier the piece to send it by mail um, and um, you know we're happy to say we've had an incredible response to it Uh, we've um, been able to make donations to Salome Mission and Winnipeg Harvest as a result just since launching it last week are you able to give us an amount of, of necklaces sold then, or, or uh, we've sold donated? over uh, about over two hundred and twenty necklaces since last week? Yeah. Wow. Well, HillaryDrucksman dot com once again is the website. Hillary, thank you so much for joining us to tell us about this awesome oh, initiative. This is great. Thank you so much. And, Stay uh, safe. You too. Thank you, Hillary. And once again, you know, th- this pandemic sucks, but so many great stories are popping up uh, every day, and we're going to continue to endeavor to share more of those stories with you. And if you've got something that we need to know about or should share, text us or email us. My email is brett at cjob.com. Lorenz is McNabb at cjob.com. And Greg is mackling at cjob.com. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.